Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 20th, 2012. For newcomers, I always advise you to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com websites and help yourself to the audios for free download. There's over a thousand there, and hopefully once you've struggled through them, you can understand the system you're born into and come to realize that you're living through a script, basically, because we're dealing with a big corporation, a corporation that runs the world, a corporation set up an awful long time ago that did come out with its announcements at the time. They published books about it. They talked about taking over the entire planets with its uh, resources and how they'd bring in a socialist system, basically for the general public. Well, they would own all the resources, but they'd also bring in eugenics big time and decide to eventually call down the populations once they've conquered the whole planet. Well, we're living through that whole time right now. I'm talking about the Royal Institute of International Affairs, that prior to that was called the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, along with Lord Rothschild, and also the Milner, Alfred Milner Foundation as well. They merged to become the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which became the Council of Foreign Relations in other parts of the globe. And they run your media, they run your politics, uh, they're in everything, in fact, and they are all on board for this big world agenda. As I say, truly eugenicist in their outlook towards life in general, and uh, they're certainly on board to create wars. In fact, their historian, their own historian for the organization, Carl Quigley, professor, wrote a book about it, and he mentioned that they were behind the major wars in the last hundred-odd years, but actually more than that, they even started the Boer War. But even during the Boer War, they were leading up to a war with Germany for World War One, And after two world wars, they thought the, con- the countries would be on their knees, bankrupt and ready to give up all their sovereignty. We're living through the end part of this system now as they take over the entire Middle East and all of its resources. Their front organization, of course, is the United Nations as well. Number two, you're the audience to bring me to you. You can help me keep going along by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal checks or international postal money orders. You can use PayPal or you can send cash across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal. And I'll get them out to you as fast as I can. And donations, remember, are really appreciated because I don't bring on advertisers or have any shares in any things that are sold on this particular broadcast. But if you don't understand history, you won't understand geopolitics and geopolitics for an awful long time has been your history, complete history, because we're dealing, as I say, with a long-term script, and the situations for war are always dreamed up long in advance, and all the strategies, too, which they will use when they bring it on in actuality. We're living through some of that right now, with all the the various bombings across the world, just in time for a war, of course, to to be waged upon Iran. That's the the whole objective of this. Same in Bulgaria, for instance, when three buses went in fire, and with all the nonsense about the the bomber, etc., and it's all nonsense. They haven't, as far 
as I can find out, they haven't found anybody at all that actually puts bombs on the buses. But if the three of them went up, you'd have 80-odd people dead, and that would be a great thing for Israel to start banging away for the war drums, which they already are, and shouting the Iran's behind it. The first thing, the first casualty of war is truth. And you must always do it by deception. You wage war by deception. You always blame your targets, and that gives you the excuse to go to war, and you've got public opinion behind you. It's so odd, the first person to point the finger, uh, that whoever country cries at is the one that gets invaded. Just like the towers going down, and Brzezinski and others talked, said, oh, it must be Osama bin Laden. Before the dust had even hit the ground, that's what they were yelling. Because they already had troops ready to go into Afghanistan to begin with. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix and... We live through scams all the time. The world is composed of one scam after another. We saw all the scams to do with the banking for Europe, for instance, as we start bailing out one country after another, uh, a merry-go-round of musical chairs and uh, trying to plug some black hole that no one can ever see with dollars and euros, and it never happens to work. And then you find out the, the whole intention of it was to further consolidate Europe together completely politically and every other way, economically, into a complete Soviet system, basically. That's what it is. It's a new Soviet. A very old idea, of course, is to say that it goes back to even Karl Marx talked about trading blocks. And the North American uh, bunch are up to two with NAFTA, and there's further integration going on even now as we speak to do with uh, more binding treaties with the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and other countries in Latin America as we get bound together through laws, economic laws, etc., exactly the same way that they, they did it with Europe over many, many years. So there's very little you can take at face value. And if the media may remember being part of this big establishment owned by the guys who run the big foundations, who belong to the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. The media is totally owned, and uh, it's very seldom you get any truth at all from them. And when you do, it's always spun with something else in it to lead you off with your conclusion. They always end up giving you your conclusion. At least that's what they're supposed to do, and most folk are quite content with that. Now, with all the hullabaloo about invading Iran over and over and over again, even though the Atomic Energy Commission had gone in umpteen times and said they're not building a bomb, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say. It wouldn't matter if they brought the whole world or did bus tours from all over and gave us cheap holidays over there to inspect their facilities. This, once they've stamped you for war, they're going to have it. Remember that the whole list for the project for the new American century, drawn up by guys who was debatable if they're American at all, had all the countries listed that are going to attack for the future. That was in the 1990s. And we've gone through almost all of them. We've still got a couple to finish off, and Iran is also on the list. So that's all you're living through is a, a script. We live through scripts, and it's all done by deception. All through deception. By way of deception, we shall wage war, it's called. Now, Zygmunt Brzezinski, who was a big player, of course, is an advisor in all of these geopolitical games and strategies. In fact, the guy who takes the acclaim for setting up the, the, the so-called Al-Qaeda bunch 
back in the Soviet days to fight the Soviets. In fact, I put the video up before when, in the 1970s when he's, he's talking to a lot of these tribal leaders and he says, this will be a holy war, a jihad, and they all start cheering. And now, of course, you've got to bring them all down. So they create the problem and then later on, like a chessboard, once they've used that country, they go in and take it over. That's how the whole strategy is run. But here he is, he's, he's a high member of the Trilateral Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations. And here he is on about Iran. They always give you a legalism, so you have to know how dumb you are if you go go into wars. This is former U.S. National Security Advisor Zygmunt Brzezinski has warned that a U.S. military confrontation with Iran could be devastating for the American economy. Well, no kidding. All the other wars have been too. Not for the big corporations, though. So the war in the Middle East in the, in the present contest may last for years, he said in an interview with Newsmax TV on Wednesday. And the economic consequences of it, the war, are going to be devastating for the average American. High inflation, instability, insecurity. Well, they're all ready for that. You've been building up for 30 years with an internal army, if you haven't noticed, to deal with what they knew was going to come down the pike during this particular period of time. He warned the U.S. administration not to rush into a war with Iran and said the consequences of yet another military strike in the Middle East would be very, very costly. The four-decade politicians said that a a possible closure of the Strait of Hormuz by Iran, even not for a very long time, would prompt the cost of oil to skyrocket as a vital oil shipping route would be a dangerous passage. And... um, as a result of the military conflict, in effect, the American taxpayer should be ready to pay 5 to $10 a gallon for the pleasure of having a war in the Strait of Hormuz, Brzezinski explained. He described democracy as the best weapon of choice. Well, we've never had democracy. Remember, these guys at the top use it all the time. Remember, they're geostrategists. And they're also really into neuroscience as well. Neuroscience is to deal with how they control the minds of the masses. That's what it's really all for. But he described democracy as a, the best weapon of choice in the present circumstance, but warned that negotiations over Tehran's nuclear energy program would fail to yield result if they're, if they're meant to corner Iran. And he says if the negotiations are designed to humiliate Iran and to put it in some sort of separate box, confining it to a status totally different from all other the signatories of the non-proliferation treaty, then we will probably not get an agreement. The U.S. and Israel have repeatedly threatened that all options, including the military action, uh, are on the table against Iran to force Islamic Republic to halt this nuclear energy program, which Washington, Tel Aviv, and some of their allies claim includes a military aspect. Well, they're the only ones who say so. Remember, it's the same cons that went all through the Middle East. Osama bin Laden was supposedly hiding out in Afghanistan. The next thing you knew, the media suddenly switched its guns on Iraq. And the American public went with them thinking, oh, they were behind the attack on the towers. But they had nothing to do with it. Nothing at all to do with it. And it came out during the inquiry that George Bush said himself, well, I never said that Saddam Hussein had anything to do with that. He says he was just a bad man. I think the world's better off without him. Well, quite an attitude you have. You don't like someone, you just bump them off and take over their country. That's the kind of democracy they're talking about here. But, of course, this is the same list that Israel had, remember, of countries to take out. And you really have to ask who is wagging the dog. Iran dismisses allegations that arguing that there is a committed signatory to the Non-Proliferation Treaty and a member of the International Atomic Energy Agency has got the right to use nuclear technology for peaceful purposes. Well, they have. 
I mean, don't, doesn't everybody have the same rights? Who doesn't have nuclear power? Britain's got lost. You're attacking Britain. How, how, about, how about some other countries as well right across Europe? How about the US and Canada? Who decides who gets it and who doesn't? Anyway, that's, as I say, from Brzezinski himself. You're all going to pay for it through the nose and on top of all the other bills you're accumulating as well. And this Article 2 is to do with, uh, of course, upcoming laws that are, and treaties or or really agreements, they call them now, from the United Nations. United Nations, remember, was set up to bring in world government. I talked about that yesterday with the World Federalists and the World Federalist meeting. You find all your top anchormen in the newscast, the ones you've grown up with, are all members of it, for world government via the United Nations. And the United Nations simply morphed out of the League of Nations, set up again by the Royal Institute of International Affairs. It's a front group. And they decided that big governments with lots of government agencies were the way to control the public way down into the future. That's what we have today. But the real fascists would be on top. It becomes meaningless when you call it fascist and, and socialist because it's all one and the same thing. It's legalists. This is an ancient thing going back into ancient uh, history. They call them even ancient Chinese history. The war between the philosophers, basically, and the legalists. Legalists want to strap you in cotton wool and monitor you 24 hours per day so that the big boys at the top can live and, and jet about the globe and, and their private jets and have a great old time. But you at the bottom who produce everything and pay all the taxes to enable these guys to fly around the planet, uh, you have to be kept uh, under 24-hour supervision. That's what it's all about. And when they want these agreements to come out of the United Nations that you all sign on to, and I've mentioned it before, and months ago I put up uh, an old document from the 60s to do with complete disarmament in a, a peaceful world. Everybody signed on to that. In fact, it came out from the United States to the United Nations for all the rest of the countries to sign. And they're coming out with a part two to it as well now. And suddenly you get all these shootings. There's been a whole host of them around Toronto and the usual areas. And uh, out comes again this gunman at the Batman premiere in Colorado, which everybody, I'm sure, has heard about. And uh, right, right on cue, right on cue. And you'll find it's like Columbine too, that there'll be uh, associations with psychologists, psychiatrists, etc., treating this guy, just like you found in the Columbine shootings as well. You, you always get this stuff emerging when something has to be signed. So I'll put some links up. You've all read the stories, of course, all that we were given so far on this particular character who went into the studio and into the film uh, uh, premiere and started shooting off uh, his different firearms. They're talking about someone else, of course, going through an exit door to the outside emergency exit who may have left it open. So they're wondering if there's more than one guy involved. And, and yet no doubt there will be others involved, but they'll never get caught because it is a setup to happen. But it comes right on cue with something that they want. When Bill Clinton was in office, we forget too that he wanted to bring in a whole bunch of laws to do with an anti-terrorist bill. And he couldn't get it through. It was in all the papers at the time. And bingo, a week later at the weekend, you had the, the, the big um, Oklahoma City bombing. Just happened out the blue, just like that. And that weekend, they all signed those laws into force. When they can't get what they want, the, the end justifies the means. Whatever it takes, they will have it done.
to get things through. That's how easy it is to control the minds of people in, in the greater society. We're led to our conclusions all the time. And something has to be done. That They always have the cry going out. Something must be done. And they go ahead and do it. They, they blow off the dust out of laws they've already drafted up, and away it goes. And interesting, too, this, and this guy who did the shooting, there's two conflicting stories. One said he was, a, 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 he was studying medicine. Another one said he was a student from neuroscience. Now, neuroscience is an incredible science that's being used today in a big way across the world with the whole intention of mind control. Let's get into that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about neuroscience, and you have to go into the history of it, and, and behaviorism as well, and go through all the various psychological movements uh, that are designed to control society. That's really the purpose of them, not just to help people when they're sick, but really, it's like weaponizing anything. You know, the first thing is always for a military aspect or power control, and that's why they have neuroscience. Neuroscientists talk about their ambitions for world control and world peace and all the rest of it. In Canada, you have a guy called Persinger, who used to work with the U.S. military for the Pentagon, uh, a neuroscientist who's up, got YouTube videos up there, and he talks about uh, the, 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 the present time. We're all living inside this wonderful, he said, wonderful Wi-Fi fields. We're all communicating together, connected. Well, that's technotronics, you see. Since the human brain basically fluctuates at a speed of or pulses of 7.4 hertz per second. And he talks about this too, that eventually worldwide we could all be plugged in to each other and, uh, and feel each other's thoughts, etc., etc. Well, when that happens, you're no longer an individual. And believe you me, someone will be at the top giving you your thoughts. It's a horrific vision. But he had tears in his eyes at the end of this, t- this talk up on YouTube where he says that you'll feel hunger across the world. You'll feel their hunger. You'll feel this, you'll feel that, and all the rest of it. No, this, these guys are megalomaniacs, very well-paid megalomaniacs to do what they're doing. Because, as I say, they want to bring in this world where an elite, you know, an, an intelligentsia, will run the world properly, where all the rest of the workers, all the masses of people down below, will just be working buffoons who won't need so much entertainment, mind you. Quite cheap to feed them and maybe give you a drip to feed you like seven of nine. You go in a cubicle at night and that's you fed and you work uh, for 14 hours, 16 hours the next day, non-stop, without a murmur or a reward. That's what they're after. So here's this guy who, who was into the cinema and started shooting at people too. He's been in neuroscience, that's what he was studying, supposedly. And believe you me, if you're a student with them under these guys like Persinger, they will do a lot of mind tricks in your head as well. That will come out later on, I'm sure of it. We'll find out about this because um, there's so much to do with experimentation on their own students all the time, even to do with the Corbin helmets, remember? That's well known in Canada, they have that here. They can actually give you, put a helmet on and stimulate your thoughts and even give you trips like you were on a hallucinogenic drug. All through electronics and pulsing certain frequencies at your brain. 
Old stuff, by the way, very old stuff here in Canada. So I want to find out. But as I say, he comes out on cue and does his, his shooting acts. And uh, there'll be no reason given. He probably won't know it himself and, and why he's done it all. Even though supposedly his whole apartment was rigged to go up in flames, just like the movie Conspiracy Theory. You wait and see. That's how it's done. Another article, too, to do with uh, how crazy it's getting in the military. We've all heard about the the murders of uh, uh, people or wives. A lot of these guys coming back from abroad. They're in constant warfare all the time, you see, and they get addicted to it. And they're on all these different drugs now, the seven to nine or to nine drugs each per person in the military. That's standard today. So that they don't feel the pain when they slaughter folk. That's part of it. You see, it dulls the emotive pathways. And so they're all into the, the death cult. But when they come back home, they're still into it as well. And there's one article that came out to do with a sex dungeon. Details emerge in California and the death of a deployed Marine's wife. And uh, apparently his wife uh, was splitting up with him. He was off abroad and she went out with somebody else, another guy in the military, who had a sex dungeon. And uh, they basically chopped her up. Not just one person, but a few of them. Military people. This is going to become more and more common as time goes on. And for all the stuff that you watch, like all the, 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 the Batman series and everything else, what else is it doing to you when you're watching them? You've got to really un- understand, you've got to analyze the scripts. You've got to analyze everything that you see. And feel nothing when you watch these things. Otherwise, you're being downloaded. It's called predictive programming. We've seen how they've used it. Hollywood admits they used it to, to bring people out of the closets and things like that over many, many years. And to basically go along with the old communist idea of destruction of the family unit, promoting sex to the ultimate until people were obsessed with it and they would never mate for life. Then you don't mate for life, you don't have any children. The family is an enemy to the world state, you understand? H.G. Wells himself said that, and he was a a propagandist for the Royal Institute for International Affairs too. But years after the facts, of course, where it's all been done, they can come up with some of the truths. Teenagers can be corrupted by Hollywood sex scenes. Oh, no kidding. Who'd have thought of that, eh? Watching sex scenes in Hollywood films can make children more promiscuous and sexually active from a younger age, a new study has suggested. Well, just a few months ago, I read an article to do with schools now. They're using pornographic movies to, to teach children about sex. Is there a paradox here somewhere, some sort of conflict? No. So they know this, but so they're teaching them pornography, the school, to make sure it works. Remember Julian Huxley from UNESCO, the first CEO, who got all the awards to do from all the big abortion groups at the time, because he was all for that 2D population. He called it freeing women up by slaughtering the babies. And um, he said, too, we shall promote promiscuity through the children, so they'll never born uh, when they get older. There's multiple partners. So this article goes on to say that um, psychologists concluded that teenagers exposed to more sex on screen in popular films, never mind the internet, are likely to have sexual relations with more people and without using condoms. So, sure, they'll have sexual relations with more people. Wow, they're geniuses at the top, aren't they? Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
folks, I'm back, cutting into the matrix, talking about the big agendas, lots of big agendas on the go, have been for a long, long time, and you'll, you'll find even you've adopted a lot of your downloads yourself, and you've acted them out through life too, because after all, when you're born, you're young, and things are pushed your way, you take it all for granted, you think it must be normal, simply because it exists, especially when you've got, it's got the approval of those at the top, obviously, it's got like sexual promiscuity, obviously, that was a big, big promo. H.G. Wells wrote the fact uh, that it pushed this in the 1890s, one of his first books. He said that would be the way that they'd push it and destroy the family unit. And then government, big government, would become down to you and talk to you directly. If no family to stand up for you or help you, government would be in charge of everything. And eventually they'd have even old folks' care, uh, care homes and so on because there'd be no family. We're, we're, we're here, folks. And pushing promiscuity was to be the, the, the end thing. So once they got the pill out, they really went ahead with it. They tried it, remember, in the Roaring Twenties, the same thing. Miniskirt came out, Charlton Dance and so on. And um, drugs came out along with the booze, in the, beer, in the booze cans. But had so much fallout from venereal disease, no penicillin, you see. And they also had fallout from unwanted children. They didn't have the pill. So they put it away. There's a massive outcry about it all. And they brought it back in the 60s. All the same techniques. Drugs, miniskirts, uh, promiscuity, and, and uh, the music to match it too. So you're living through a script, as I say, through many different parts of a script too. Specialized areas that makes you, you. And it says here, this study, based on nearly 700 popular films, found that watching love scenes could fundamentally influence a teenager's personality. These guys are geniuses, right? Psychologists were all employed to bring this system in, and now psychologists are the guys who do studies on themselves. And say, my goodness, guess what it causes? The researchers from Dartmouth College in New Hampshire concluded youngsters are more prone to take risks in their future relationships. Well, no kidding. They also concluded that for every six hours, or for every hour of exposure to sexual content on screen, participants were more than five times more likely to lose their virginity within six years. I think that's even stretching it there. Adolescents who are exposed to more sexual content in movies start having sex at younger ages. These guys been living in caves for the last 60 years or something. They have more sexual partners, and are less likely to use condoms with casual sexual partners and so on. I want to imagine they got paid for this, this, this mind-blowing study here. Hmm? All devised that way, long time ago. Everything that you do, right down to the hobbies that's promoted to you, it's all given to you. Now, texting. Huh. Uh, they found through, again, many, many studies that children have a hard time now communicating directly to other people. And with real people, that is, in front of them. They can't even look each other in their eyes. But texting is overtaking talking in the UK, says the Ofcom study. They're always studying us, minutely. Eh? People in the UK are more likely to text and to make a phone call, according to new research from Ofcom. 58% of people communicated via text on a daily basis. In 2011, only 47 made a daily mobile call, said the country's communication industry regulator. It said the shift away from traditional ways of keeping in touch was being led by young people aged 16 to 24. Well, they've been taught that in school too. The new trends were revealed in the annual communications market reports. Our whole behavior has always been altered by our masters, you understand. But you think you're doing it, because after all, you buy the product and you must, it's mine. That's why they gave the name personal computer to it. It's my personal computer, it's my personal phone. 
to con you, fool you. The average UK consumer now sends 50 texts per week, while fewer calls are being made on both fixed and mobile phones. For the first time, there was a fall in the volume of mobile calls by just over 1% in 2011, while landline calls were down by 10%. Overall, time spent on the phone fell by 5% in 2011. And this is uh, the director of, the, of Ofcom's research says uh, talking face to face or on the phone are no longer the most common ways for us to interact with each other. Marshall McLuhan talked about this back in the 60s. This would come. And he was contracted down to the States too. And, and believe you me, the CIA, FBI, all these boys were really interested in his theories to do with this particular time we're in now, the time that they knew they'd bring in and how to control the populations by using these techniques where you wouldn't interact face-to-face anymore, but you'd have all these voices in the ether, and even those voices you don't know if they're computer-generated or not. You've got sock puppets all over the place. They gave you forums, now they admit it, they gave you forums and promoted forums so they could study you all and to see why you would go into certain forums and, and what relationships you'd have with people in the forums psychologically and, and other ways as well. Constantly, constantly analyzing you for control purposes. The biggest, the biggest client they have happens to be the government, every government, for all these studies. I'll put up tonight two. It's a video it's quite a, a cute little video, but it's a five-year-old Palestinian girl who faces up to some of the armed soldiers of the Israeli soldiers occupying forces in her area. And uh, it's quite amazing that you know, adults, of course, if it was an adult saying these kind of things, they'd have been shot. Uh, but it was a little girl at five years old saying what has to be said. And maybe that's the only way we can do it. Now start using children to say things, otherwise they'll kill you. Syria, beyond the UN veto, it says. Now, this is by Richard Haas. I mentioned the Council on Foreign Relations at the beginning of this broadcast, and, and, ha- and the, the CFR is simply an American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And he, he is the president of this organization, R- Richard N. Haas. And it says the Russian and Chinese veto of the UN Security Council's draft resolution that would have declared the situation in Syria a threat to international peace and security extended the, the UN diplomatic mission headed by Kofi Annan and set the stage for new sanctions and possibly UN-authorized military action was hardly surprising. In other words, they were trying to get China and Russia on board and be part of the do a deal with the devil and then it all attack. You see, we're all in it together. It's an old idea with criminals. You can go back to ancient Rome where they, you know, they, they would go to kill one of the Caesars and um, they'd all have to put the knife in them. Each one would have to put a knife in the guy and be complicit in the murder. It's, it's the same thing today. They get on board in a resolution so we can go off and kill a whole bunch of people in Syria. Now, we know it for a fact, again, Syria is another country on the list that was to be taken out by the new American Century Group that George Bush belonged to. Uh, and they published their list of countries back in the 90s. See, we're going through the same list still, you see. And it wouldn't matter if it's a tyrant or, or, or not a tyrant. It doesn't matter to these guys. If they can use a tyrant, uh, they'll let them be. In fact, they put playing tyrants in in the past. So they could loot the countries, as long as it was friendly to them. But, of course, Syria has to go, because that whole region has to be basically de-Muslimized, you might say. They want them to bring in secular governments. 
that can be easily managed by the same people who manage all of us. And they call it democracy then. And they bring in a central bank, because everybody must have a central bank to get into debt. And these countries generally don't have central banks, and they don't use usury, so they can't get into debt. So here's the top guy of the Council on Foreign Relations. These guys have so many organizations, massive think tanks worldwide, working on all of these things and geopolitics all the time. They give us all our information, too, from the media, because most of the top reporters are members of the Council on Foreign Relations. This is what explains the veto is not just uh, Russia and China's opposition to the use of military force to unseat the Assad regime, something which have required another Security Council resolution in any event. They're also uneasy with anything that legitimizes international involvement in what they see as domestic affairs of countries. Can you believe this rubbish coming out of this guy's mouth? When has ever, when have they ever been uneasy with, with going into any other country to, to deal with his domestic affairs? Any excuse will do. They're doing it with Iran right now. Both the Russian and Chinese governments uh, uh, fear presidents could be turned against them. If nothing else, it's time for a moratorium on the use of the phrase international community in situations such as this one where no such consensus exists. What he's getting, getting to here is that the U.S. and Britain and others should go alone and forget the United Nations uh, because they're not going to go along with Well, they can't get China and Russia to go along with it. So unilaterally, just go in and get the job done, like they did with Libya, basically. Take NATO in there. The vote in New York will not materially affect the situation on the ground. The Syrian government has lost control over important parts of the country, and the opposition has demonstrated an ability to strike successfully in Damascus. Fighting is likely to intensify, and he says the opposition will want to build on the momentum of this week's successful bombing. The Assad regime will want to demonstrate it is still able to defeat any and all challenges. Now, it's well known too, uh, even from reporters who were uh, almost killed themselves over there by the rebels, the rebels were going to kill them and then blame uh, the Assad regime for doing it, but luckily they escaped, and that broke out into the media. It's all deception, you don't know who to believe, you see. And of course, the, the camera never lies, does it? So they want the U.S. to, to pick up the tab again and, and go there as well. And it's a toss-up. Israel's wanting them both out of the way. You know, this country plus Iran as well. The failure to renew the diplomatic missions being led by Kofi Annan with his associated group of observers is no great loss. The peace plan under which the Annan was offering uh, or operating had no chance of being accepted. It would be far better to terminate this effort and establish a new one with the mission of bringing about the exit of the current Syrian regime. Last, the United States and other like-minded governments should not equate the, the UN with multilateralism, nor should they see the UN as having a monopoly on legitimacy. To the contrary, they should form a coalition of the willing, that means what I just said, go alone, and be able to compose, uh, to be able, compose of NATO countries, selected Arab governments and others that are committed to increasing sanctions against not just Syria, but those countries supporting it, building up the strength and political appeal of the Syrian opposition pressing for war crimes and indictments against Bashar al-Assad and his inner circle. So they don't want to take Syria out as anybody who's been helping Syria as well. But they want, since the United Nations can't get consensus from China and Russia, they want the U.S. and all the other countries to go in and do all for them instead and pay for all too. Now, 
People keep talking about democracy, democracy, and, and when's it all going to come down? I hear this from so many people. When's hell going to break loose? I've heard this for years. And I always tell them, you're living through it. You're living through it. It's happening all the time. You've been under basically martial law since, since 9-11. And, and now you've accepted and adapted. And this is a beautiful thing about humanity. According to those at the top, we always adapt. At the bottom, we always adapt. We take the, the easier way out of something. Yeah, you go through a full body scanner and get irradiated. Uh, or or, or, or you, you go and you get croaked instead by the security guys. Or you turn around and try to walk out and go home. People will, will always take the easier thing to do out of the two. And if it means compliance, they will comply. They will comply to the bitter end on anything. They have obedience and have a trained obedience to authority. You've all had it. Remember all those movies that you're watching are all programming you to obey authority. Even when you're seeing brutal authority on the, on the screens, even in fiction, it's all propaganda. You've got a generation now grown up watching and playing video games, very realistic, where all they do is slaughter folk and generally have on all the flat gear that this guy who went and shot them all at the Batman movie had. Where do you think you got all that idea from too? All those ideas. And the, the winner is, it's always a guy with, with the big, big guns and all the, the black gear on and, and the full flat jackets on and all the rest of it. That's the winners. That's how they see winners. There's only winners and losers in this generation that's grown up. And that's what they want to be. And so when it's all coming down, you're living through it. In countries across Europe, you've got to carry ID cards with you everywhere you go. Some people have it round their neck. In Holland, for instance. And you must have it even to get a taxi or a bus. You must have your ID card with you. Why, when did, why is the whole world being turned upside down because of 9-11? And why was everything planned Everything that came in subsequently, all the laws, why were those laws on the books for years and years and years working on it for this very, very moment? Why did the New American Century said we'll need something on the scale of, of a, a Pearl Harbor to get the public support behind us? And boom, they got it. These guys should go to casinos. They'd win every time. They know what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's happening all the time. You're living through it. As, as governments and agencies of government become authorities, they start off as services and become authorities, just like Lenin said they would do in the West. You've got so many government agencies, and he said this too, so many government agencies that would start off as services, they become authorities, and eventually there's so many authorities all covering the same areas, they'd be competing with each other and even fighting each other for territory, these agencies. Full body scan technology deployed in street roving vans. And this one is from 2010. I've got another one from 2012. I'll put up tonight as well. It says, as the privacy controversy, I don't know what controversy is about privacy, but we've been told we can't have any. Around full body security scans begins to, to, to simmer. It's worth noting that courthouses and airport security checkpoints aren't the only places where backscatter x-ray vision is being deployed. The same technology capable of seeing through clothes and walls has also been rolling out on U.S. streets. American Science and Engineering, a company based in 
Bellarica, Massachusetts, has sold U.S. and foreign governments as well, agencies, more than 500 backscatter X-ray scanners mounted in vans that can be driven past neighboring vehicles to see their contents. Joe Reese, a vice president of marketing at the company, told me in an interview, while the biggest buyer of the AS and E's machines over the last seven years has been the Department of Defense Operations in Afghanistan and Iraq, he says that, that law enforcement agencies have also deployed the vans to search for vehicle-based bombs inside the United States. This product is now the largest selling cargo and vehicle inspection system ever, says Reese. And it shows you what you can see through. You can see through pretty well metal as well. And um, that's powerful X-ray, by the way. And these guys are driving them around and blasting you with it. And you don't even know what's happening to you until you come down with cancers. You know. Another one, too, with another video, as I say, I'll put up tonight, is a, a later one. It's, it's a present one, current one. And uh, you'll see the latest vans that they have there. I think they're even Mercedes vans that they're using. Uh, they're very expensive. But that's okay. You see, it's a bottomless pit. The taxpayer will always pay for all this stuff. That's what your purpose, you understand. We can't afford to treat you if you're ill, but we can afford to buy the biggest, best, newest weaponry uh, ever, ever heard of. Tonight I'll put one for Britain as well. Bankrupt Britain has got a missile now that can stay in the air for six hours for urban warfare. And it can be piloted like a drone right to its target. That's fantastic. That coming down the middle of London somewhere. Huh? And they used to talk about the IRA was the worst thing ever. Look was flying above your head. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix. Talking about how we're all controlled and you'd be surprised how much data is collected all the time on you. Mind you, you help the big boys because you put all your data up there, up there every day for them to upgrade your system. See, they have a virtual you in the Pentagon, literally, every one of us. I've read these articles from the Pentagon on the air before. A virtual you. All based on your behavior, and they get your behavior from all your likes and dislikes, and you put it all up, and you go into Facebook and all the other ones, and they're constantly monitoring, monitoring, monitor, and you update it yourself. And they actually play games on it to see how you'd react in situations in the virtual you world. And they're pretty well confident, that's almost 100% confident, that's how you behave in real life. Do you understand how you can get set up for anything that way? We're so important at the bottom. These guys at the top are utter, utterly paranoid, but they're also control freaks. And they believe they're doing the right thing to bring in this world with a passive, dumbed-down population that displays a negative freedom. That's what they call it, negative freedom. You kept dumb and stupid. And we're told, too, that when they, they would start to take uh, uh, information for government agencies or they'd all keep themselves separate they always fool you and lie to you constantly. They all know where they're going. And you adapt to that and adapt to that. And then they bring in the single view of the citizen. This article here is called The Single View of the Citizen. Citizens rely on numerous critical services from the public sector. So you say, all I do is services, you understand. That's why they monitor you. Delivering these services is a cohesive way involving uh, and a unite, uniting a diverse base of people, processes, systems, and agencies. The first step to bridging this information divide 
that's what it's called, having all the separation of powers, involves creating and maintaining a single view of each citizen which allows all information systems and business processes to share accurate and consistent data. Such projects have a direct impact on the quality of services that citizens receive. What services do you receive from them? From social security to building permits to child welfare programs. Well, we're, we're all, we've all got that going, right? That's what it's all for. Multi-billion programs just for that. Sure it is. While IT professionals refer to these initiatives as master data management projects, public servants describe them in more practical terms, achieving a unified or 360-degree view of the taxpayer or citizen. It's really the livestock. I call them the livestock watchers. We're the livestock, you see. Regardless of which nomenclature is used here, these projects all have the same primary objectives, collecting independent data sources, identifying common relationships, and presenting accurate information to serve an intended business purpose. It's, you know darn well, it's for control purposes. Understand, too, lots of these big organizations out there, including Google, might be licensed under a corporation, private, but they're part of the, of the NSA. The NSA has got lots of private departments, has, as it says, the CIA and MI6 and all the other ones out there. So establishing master data records, single-view projects are particularly valuable for agencies that provide many types of social service programs, each with unique needs, eligibility requirements, and funding sources. Then they give you different uh, examples. Louisiana Department of Children and Family Services has embarked on a software integration project called Common Access Front End. Well, see, they've got the same systems going on in Scotland, and they monitor you. And they've said it. From birth to death. But so as it can serve you better, you understand. But they've got to know everything about you first. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>